We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. We are here at the o'clock talking Cubs, talking White Sox, talking trade deadline only two weeks away with Bruce Levine. I'm David Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Welcome back Inside the Clubhouse. And now we go out to the Circa resort and casino in las vegas hotline home of the largest sports book and that is where we find terrific analysts for marquee sports network former cubs reliever sean marshall good morning sean how are you hey how you doing david how you doing bruce uh thanks for having me on the show this morning guys thanks for getting up it was a late one so let's start sean the cubs now with 15 games of the next 19 they play opponents that have 500 records or worse it's an opportunity for the team on the field we all know what's going on off the field. How would you describe this next couple of weeks for the Cubs from a former player's perspective? Well, I think that the upcoming weeks are as equally as important as the previous three weeks, minus this all-star break they had this week. That was kind of a telling tale of who the Cubs are. Uh, they obviously went through the skid for about three weeks for the first week. They were losing games. The Brewers were losing games, so they weren't losing much ground in the division at the time. But then they went on the 11-game losing streak while the Brewers excelled against opponents like the Diamondbacks, who the Cubs are playing now, and the Rockies in the previous month. So looking at, you know, being the optimist that I am, I'm always trying to be positive, and I'm a huge Cubs fan, and I always encourage on the broadcast maybe a little bit too much at times. But I think this next 10 days out of the 14 days before the all-star break really is going to tell the rest of the Cubs this season, as far as these veteran guys being moved on to different teams to compete for teams that are possibly uh, contending for playoff runs. But I think the Cubs can put themselves back in the mix here. I just think they're, the Brewers are good. Obviously they've played well over the past month. Uh, the Reds have played well. The Cardinals are they're in limbo a lot like the Cubs were uh, over the past three weeks, but, you know, there's some big decisions to be made, obviously, and we saw the Jock Peterson trade uh, just a day or two ago, uh, kind of tipping the Cubs' hand, Jed Hoyer's hand here. But, you know, a lot. I think the team can remain competitive even if they lose some of the veteran players. Um, but it's, you know, we will see here what strength of schedule for the Cubs. I think they have the ability to win, win out the rest of the month, at least two-thirds of these games coming up as far as strength of schedule is concerned. And, Maybe put themselves in the mix, and I, you know, I'm always positive. I'm looking for the bright sides of things, but 
it's a team that did not play to their capability over the past month, and it was tough to watch. It was tough to cover at times, trying to sway on positive things. But the team is good. The bullpen's strong still. Starters have, have been hit and miss, uh, but better lately with Alec Mills being back in the rotation. Hendricks was outstanding again last night. So, you know, I don't deal too much in the front office conversations, obviously, but I just want to sway on the side of positivity here, and I think the Cubs can still continue con- to contend in the division here going forward, but we will see. That's the voice of Sean Marshall. He's the analyst for Marquee Sports Network, does a terrific job there. And, Sean, you've been in these situations before. You've been on teams that were a borderline in and out of. You've seen guys uh, on the trade block before. You've been there yourself. Um, Take us inside the locker room and and give us a little idea about what it's like to be on a team where you know pieces are going to be traded. You may be one of them. And how you keep it together and how you keep your focus during those times, how much conversation goes on yeah. between the teammates about encouraging each other to be able to focus on that day. And I think it's a lot of the cliche talk you hear uh, Rizzo talk about it in, in post games and KB talks about being involved in trade talks and et cetera. Uh, for me as a player, my circumstance was different. I was just traded one time and that was during the Cubs rebuild. That was in the off season. Uh, right around Christmas of 2011, I spent four years with the Reds uh, after that from 12 to 15. But I knew my, my name was in trade talks, but it's a different circumstance for me because that was the off season. You know, I didn't know where I was going to land coming up to spring training. So, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of you know, say in what's going on, obviously, as far as performance uh, on the field. You put yourself in the winning situations, and I always prided myself on – playing my best, you know, whether my name was circling in trade conversations or, you know, and this is before when I played, it was before the, the social media, the boom, the easy access of information with Twitter, uh, Facebook, et cetera, and being able to just see things just come right onto the, the, the media waves. So these players can see those things, obviously, in a big market of Chicago. So my big thing was just to, to focus on what you can control, and that's on-field performance it's work you put in in between uh outings and appearances uh and just let it let it go i mean it's it's nothing that you can control and baseball is obviously a very big business and in my opinion you're just kind of a a a piece to the chessboard you know what i mean you can be moved at any time and and it's something that you sign up for you're very well aware of it uh, as a player that your life can uproot and move to a different city in hours, it really can happen. I've seen players traded during uh, trade deadline stuff back in August before it was July 30, uh, 30th trade deadline as it is now, and they just go from dugout to dugout. So you just see guys being moved around. So it's important as a player to control what you can control, and that's what you do on the field in between the lines, and just just play hard. And whether you end up in a different city that's not contending or you end up in a city that's contending, it's control what you can control. And what you can control is your effort on the ball field and the work that you put in and trying to avoid distractions of trade rumors, talks, uh, et cetera. So that's just the way I kind of think about that, Bruce. So along those lines, Sean, and we're joined by Sean Marshall from the Marquee Sports Network. So that's the uncertainty that the Cubs not only really – 
created but announced when Jed Hoyer said that they're going to be sellers. I think everybody understood understood what he was saying a week ago Thursday because of those business realities you alluded to. But when you have that sort of orchestrated anxiety in in a clubhouse, I'm sure it affects the main guys, the the, the big names because of of the contracts. But how about everybody else? Is there a sense in there, do you think, from a former player's perspective, could you envision people being like, hey, what about us? We're still competing because we do think we can contend and get, get on a run because they're probably having the mindset that you just described that, okay, there's an opportunity yeah. here in the next couple of weeks to put ourselves in a better spot. Yeah, and, and looking forward, if some big pieces do get moved, that creates opportunity for maybe – someone that's been a bench player like a Jake Marisnik or Sogard, who's now healthy and Duffy here on the men gives them opportunities to play every day and boost their stock for the trade deadline or, or whatever. Uh, But, you know, you just kind of control what you can control. And in my opinion, it's just, it's in between the lines and it's, you know, um, it's just a tough call. And they knew it going into this season. And when Jed Hoyer took over for Theo, that Jed's eye was, on the present, and that they obviously the present has was paid off for the first two two and a half months of the season with the Cubs being in first place, and then the reality struck on the losing streak and put them back into a seller mode. Like early on, I thought the team could compete, and they were right in it except for that tough struggle there uh, for about three weeks. So, um, as far as the big the big players being moved, I think that. It's just the way it is, and you're going to miss your teammates if they do. I've been there. I've, I've had a lot of different teammates, and it's tough to see guys go. I'm sure they did not like seeing Jock Peterson go, a great clubhouse guy, great energy on the field. But they just realized that, that that's part of the business, and it can happen at any given time. And if it happens to them, you got to turn the next – help your next team compete. And if your opportunity arises because a player got traded and moves to another team, take advantage of it. Sean, uh, last Saturday night, uh, the Cubs had a, an awful game. Uh, some of the at-bats were uh, less than uh, stellar. Uh, a lot of early swinging, a lot of pop-ups. Um, uh, everybody was pretty upset about after the game, including uh, Wilson Contreras, who uh, voiced his opinion to the media about uh, the effort wasn't good enough. What was your take on that, and uh, how how did handled on teams that you were on when once in a while, uh, somebody would come out, say something about the entire team, and uh, there would be uh, a little bit of confrontation afterwards. Yeah, I mean, we had the couple, you know, the argument stuff. We had a couple clubhouse issues with, you know, with a couple players going forward. But, yeah, I realized that it's, that's the grind. And players like Wilson Contreras, who is no doubt one of the most hardworking players in all of Major League Baseball, catches more innings than any player, works hard, hustles, busts it out of the box. Uh, it, it's, the, it's a team culture. And our, our fellow analyst and, and one of the uh, color guys, Ryan Dempster, who is an old-school type player, and some things that I learned from him, it's about showing good uh, team chemistry. And, and that involves just – running the bases hard and playing to win and hustling balls out, busting out the box, leaving it on the field every day. So with the grind of that losing streak, frustration sets in. And maybe you heard a little bit of Wilson doing that, um, but it's, it's visible. And the energy was, wasn't very good in that, in, that, in that little spell of losing streaks. And it was 
you know, is tough to cover, tough to watch. But it's part of the game. It's the ebbs and flows. You go through rough stretches. Uh, you go through positive stretches. But, uh, yeah, as far as controversy like that, I didn't have a big issue with it. I think that sometimes players need a little bit of a nudge from a veteran player like Wilson Contreras. Like, if we want to continue to compete, which we can, we know the team is good, everybody's got to work hard to win. And I think the all-star break came at the right time for the Cubs. I think that the frustration was boiled over from the losing and losing ground in the division. And all that kind of came to a head on that Saturday and just wasn't aggressive comments by Wilson by any means. But I think sometimes a veteran needs to nudge the team. I think Wilson did that a little bit. You know, hopefully it didn't get any uh, bad chemistry in the clubhouse because it seems to be a good clubhouse and guys get along. They look like they have fun and get along with each other. And they're going to need to here for the next couple months because the season is not over. It's just only halfway done. So you're going to be these guys' teammates for you know a couple more years or who knows, a couple more weeks. But uh, I think David Ross did a nice job of, of kind of stating how it was. And, you know, it was a non-issue, a nudge in the right direction. Uh, sometimes the, the team is to do that. And Dave Ross did a nice job of uh, controlling it. And I'm sure the team is back on track and good vibes after a couple of days off to clear their minds, reset, rest, get healthy. And it showed up in their performance last night uh, in Arizona versus Diamondbacks for the victory. I'm with you. What he, what he said, I didn't think was that bad. And he, I think it needed to be said. So, Good for Wilson Contreras. I want to ask you a pitching question, though, Sean, before we let you go. When you look at a guy like Justin Steele and you look around Major League Baseball at the way that there are some young pitchers being used to conserve their innings or being very cautious about their usage, what's the best way for the Cubs to implement Justin Steele into their into the equation? I don't know whether it's as a starter as a spot reliever, or what role he will play, I only feel like he's good enough to where he's got to play a big role. I think he will definitely uh, play a big role, and how big of a role it is will will dictate here shortly. I think he's doing a nice job. I think he did a tremendous job in his relief role uh, coming in in some huge situations and building that confidence that you need to compete at the major league level. I think he he earned that. He learned that. And I'm a big fan of his. I think that this stuff is really good. I think he has a starter mix. I think he was just two-pitch pitcher when he was coming in in the relief role. He was coming a lot with a fastball and then the slurvy breaking ball, which was a a power curveball and a lot of swing and miss on it too. But at times he flashed a changeup. So he's a three-pitch, four-pitch guy. And I think going forward, uh, because maybe some uncertainty uh, of guys being moved, opportunities being available to pitch and, and take some of those innings, is important for Justin. I think not only for him, uh, Keegan Thompson gets a chance to maybe stretch back out. You see Cole Stewart. I like his stuff. Corey Abbott, I like his stuff too. So there's four names right there who are probably going to be some of the future contributors here for the Cubs uh, going forward in the rest of this season and going forward. So not only for just Justin Steele to come and learn at a capacity, maybe they roll to a a, a six-man rotation. They piggyback some of these young guys together going forward, but I think the, the, the future looks pretty good as far as the arms being presented so far from the Cubs farm system. And a lot of these guys have had chances to learn so far, even when the team was struggling. They've learned to struggle. They've learned uh, what success feels like. Steele was good. Thompson was good. 
Cole Stewart's showing some flashes. I think Corey Abbott, again, like I said before, has good stuff too. So uh, going from 60 games to 162, there's the innings to talk about, David, and they're going to need to be covered because they're, again, a little bit in uncharted territory compared to last season at this point in the season. My last one for you, Sean, is uh, you went from starter to reliever. How uh, difficult is, is it, do you think, for a guy like Steele and Thompson to go from starter to reliever back to starter again? You know, I think if you can pitch, you can pitch. And I, they're, they're mostly starters coming up through the farm system. Uh, I think Justin Steele was forced into the relief role here early on. But, you know, when I did it, I just was so thankful for the opportunity to pitch at the big leagues, whether it was coming in as a lefty one-out guy, um, a swing guy coming in to start, maybe when Big Z threw his back out in Colorado hitting home runs, coming in on a last-minute notice. Remember that, Bruce? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but I had just enjoyed – I didn't enjoy that start because I never pitched good at, at Denver. My breaking ball just did not break, and my ERA was close to infinity, it feels like, at that ballpark. <laughs> but I think all, all these players, um, these young guys, it's about the opportunity to pitch at the big leagues. And – you know, the difference in being a starter and reliever, there's there's differences, of course. As a reliever, you come in, you're, you're full-on guns out, you're throwing your best fastballs, you're throwing your plus-breaking balls for an inning or two, max effort. As a reliever, you got to finesse a little bit, and you got to maybe conserve some pitches, conserve the usage of some pitches. So a little bit of difference in that aspect, but for me and, and in my personal opinion, Whenever the ball was handed to me by Dusty Baker or Lou Pinella, Mike Quaddy, Dusty again, Brian Price in Cincinnati, I was just so thankful to be handed the ball, whether it was a start, whether it was a short relief roll. And I just, when I went down to, to the minor league levels, I worked as hard as I possibly could to get back to the big leagues because these young players need to learn that's where you want to be. And I just think that the work that you put in down there in the minor leagues, in the offseason, even like Kyle Hendricks during the all-star break there, bringing this personal catcher to work on some bullpen work on his downtime was huge. It just shows that you just never get content. You just continue to work. And then when you're presented with the opportunity, you take it, you run with it, you do your very best, whether it's for an inning or for six innings or seven innings, it doesn't matter. But the difference for me was obviously the pitch usage, uh, I was you know, I became pretty much a two pitch guy out of the bullpen, but as a starter, I was almost four pitches with the cutter and the changeup as well as the fastball and curveball. So, yeah, that stuff's important. But you know, just be thankful for the opportunity and take it and run with it. Sean, uh, David, and I appreciate you joining us very much. Keep doing that great job on Marquee Sports Network, and I'll see you in there in a couple days. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, looking forward to it, Bruce. Yeah, I love what you do on this, on the, uh, on this, these shows, guys. And Bruce, I enjoy working with you at Marquee too. You're the best. Thanks, Take Sean. Care. Have Sean a great Marshall, day. Former Cub and Red reliever, he re- rattled through those managers that he had played for. Quite an impressive, interesting list. Bruce, he did pitch for the Cubs, pitch for the Reds. Does a good job, really. I mean, he condenses things into really good nuggets in terms of uh, understanding pitching and understanding the mindset of, of a player in that clubhouse. He's, he's a really good analyst. I've, I've seen him do what he uh, just described uh, in his baseball career with his broadcasting career, starting out really, you know, starting at the beginning and uh, really now working into being a top analyst, I think, on television. He, he's just uh, very thorough, and I see him working hard uh, when I go in there and do my uh, occasional hits on uh, Marquee Sports Network, it's 
it's fun to see uh, people work like this that I saw working in, in clubhouses and bullpens now doing it in uh, in uh, studios before game before they they go on to work uh, in the studio. And let's face it, Bruce. Anytime somebody trots out the word slurvy, you know you're in the midst of a deep baseball conversation. <laughs> it's slurvy. You hope so. You hope so. You, you hope so. <laughs> you're right. We got a lot more to get to, Bruce. We have chin music. We've got should he stay or should he go. We've got a lot more before eleven o'clock when we come back here on Chicago Sports Radio six seventy. The score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. For some chin music. Hey, yeah. How about a warning? Sure. Watch out you don't get killed. <laughs> because sometimes in baseball, you've got to send a strong message, especially when someone has it coming. Each Saturday, David and Bruce come in high and tight with a response to something that deserves one, like this. Yeah, you know, we're a family uh, in this clubhouse, so you go through things, you go through ups and downs together. So yeah, we we all talk about it. We're just focused on staying in the moment, you know, leave the past in the past. Uh, just We're trying to come into today a little fresh start, focus on the game today. Uh, Rousey kind of had that message for us too, and that's how I, all the guys feel, you know, just stay in the now, worry about task at hand, and try and win ball games. Um, that's really about it. Welcome back inside the clubhouse. David Hall with Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock. Yes, we are playing chin music. I love the intro, Bruce. Love the music. That was Kyle Hendricks last night post games talking about staying in the now. I got to tell you, I love the segment, but I can't go high and tight at Kyle Hendricks here. I'm going low and away. I'm not giving any chin music. I'm pitching around a guy in the, use the metaphor to death here because what he said was understandable from the most rational guy in that clubhouse. The, maybe the guy who was the most relatable for everybody watching the Cubs now. So I don't want to buzz the tower here, Bruce. I want to have some maybe 
85 mile per hour change up on the outside corner. That is probably the way I would approach this because I get it. He's trying to stay in the now and it's got to be pretty difficult given everything else swirling around. Wasn't difficult for him. He goes out there and just throws the same game he's thrown probably the last 10, 12 times out. Yep. He, he right now, to me, you know, you have all your, your glitzy pitchers and your dominant pitchers. In a, in a game right now, if I had to win a game, I would like to start Kyle Hendricks no matter what team I was on. That's how good he's been over the last two months. But uh, getting back to the, the conversation, which is directly involved with, as to what Contreras said last Saturday night after a dismal performance by the Cubs, you know, we all agree that what he said was right. Uh, you know, again, uh, the conversations that took place afterwards from my information and talking to people off the record is, is that uh, from locker to locker, David Ross encouraged the players to handle this themselves. He was not going to tell people how to handle this. He encouraged that each guy goes from locker to locker and explain what they meant, why they said it, and straighten it out that way. He said that was the only way, from my information, that was the only way this was going to get solved. So what Hendricks is talking about here is that there were plenty of conversations Sunday when the Cubs had a rain out, and uh, they, they lasted for a long period of time. Uh, the Rizzos, the Bryants, uh, the Haps, uh, the, the Hendricks, uh, the Contreras talking about better effort and, uh, you know, staying within, you know, the clubhouse there to uh, stay solidified during these very tough times. I think all of them agreed, and I know you did, David, and so did I, with the sentiment that you heard from Wilson Contreras. Yes. It was, they were playing awful baseball. They were not involved. Yes. Uh, that, that night they were ripping off the fans for not giving the best effort. You can't say that very much about the Chicago Cubs over the last eight or nine years. Wasn't Kyle Hendricks essentially saying the same thing and mm -hmm. talking about the need to stay in the now essentially reminding everybody that his teammates need to continue to have that intensity and to have that what? Focus. Now, entirely different method than Wilson Contreras used. Entirely different personality. I would liken it to this, Bruce. We both, we both have done a lot of traveling in our careers here. You get to the gate, and you look like, okay, you're going to have a delay, and you want to sit this seat or whatever. You're having a problem with the gate agent. You go up to the gate agent. Some people get their way by being direct, abrasive, and almost borderline insulting, right? But you know what? They kind of get results. Other people are like, well, this is the person you want to sit next to on a play. Very reasonable, very rational, mm -hmm. very even-tempered. The Kyle Hendricks type of traveler. Both methods work. What we heard last night from Kyle Hendricks was maybe just a different approach, but he was saying essentially the same thing Wilson Contreras was saying. Well, I'll add another that works uh, with uh, with people that uh, you want service from, and that is uh, a $20 bill always has worked for me, okay? <laughs> no matter where I've gone. I learned that very, uh, very, uh, very early on the south side of Chicago, That, and I didn't have 20 then, but uh, I, I learned very early, if you want to cut the line, okay. you better have, you fold, up the, the, you fold up the bill as small as you can, into your palm of your hand, and you shake hands with that person, and uh, you you get uh, your result. But it has nothing to do with what you're saying. Your your point is well taken, David. That uh, there are different ways to get things done, 
and in a positive way. Uh, I think I, you know, being a media person, having that to report, we all love that part that, yes. hey, we got to, not that they're, they're fighting. I don't think as a reporter, I enjoy hearing they're fighting, but that we got the insight into what was going on really in a player's mind in a clubhouse and the fact that this was not working for him or the other players in that night, just as we envisioned it when we watched that horrible game. You know what also, Bruce, you can relate to this. It's not just from a media perspective you like the conflict. You like the honesty. You respect the authenticity. This was who Wilson Contreras is. This was something that was definitely not orchestrated, not planned, not vetted or spun on a press release to protect this guy or that guy. This was just an athlete being competitive, calling out some teammates at a point in time where, frankly, we both agree they kind of needed it. So, I don't know. Moving forward, I think it will be interesting, though, because of what we talked to Sean Marshall about. Curious to think, following up on this idea, Bruce. Sean Marshall says, and I agree with him, you know, hey, the Cubs could make a little bit of headway here. They're playing some bad teams. They're not terrible. They could have some good pitching performances out of the rotation. Are there players in there that are like, yeah, hey, what about us? You know, we're not part of this sell-off. We want to be we want to be remembered. We want to be stay competitive. And maybe some people will seize the opportunity in front of them. But um, it's a very different dynamic now in that Cub clubhouse than there was 10 days ago. The, the one thing that you don't know if it resonates is when a player plays hard and he's busting it, is he doing it for his team or for himself in these circumstances, okay? Um, is he trying to hit a home run instead of a single to right field because it's going to be a, a plus for him as he gets traded, as his numbers go up when he goes toward free agency? That's the, that's the problem uh, with this team all year long is that you had 13 guys that were going to be free agents. Now... From, a, from Jed Hoyer's point, it was probably well thought out. We're going to, yeah, we're going to have 13 free agents on this team, but they're all going to be busting their butt every day, not only for us, but for themselves, because they want to give, they want to show people they're good players and they, they, they can play for their team going forward. But at a certain point, what might be forgotten is the player starts to play for himself and his numbers more than he does for that team and that situation on a given day to win that ball game. Yeah, that's that's a good point. So I think that just to kind of close the loop on this Cubs thought for for this segment, you know, so Cubs are trying to stay in the now. There's everybody else focused on the later, and and that's got to be a different uh, different thing to uh, d- different dynamic for a first time manager. And I think David Ross is, this is his first full season. So he hasn't really gone through this before. It was a different situation last year in the truncated season. How do you think he's doing Bruce? He said before the game, just how he's got to, you know, navigate through this. He, he, he acknowledged the challenge and saying goodbye to Jock Peterson. The first time he's had to do that. Um, how challenging is it for David Ross or does it matter? You know, I think uh, David, you know, the ultimate team player, you know, when when he was playing and, you know, certainly sold himself to everybody he ever played with and everybody that watched him, that he was that. I I think that mentality as a manager, uh, I think he lets us know that he has to be better and do better. Honestly, 
I believe that he's done as well as anybody could handling this team going up to that point. And that uh, what, what really happened here wasn't a team that lost focus, but, but hit the reality of that the starting pitching isn't good enough. And the, and the bullpen was overused. And he did, I think he did as well as anybody possibly could in this situation. And that the, the real truth of what the team is showed up because of the facts that the starting pitching hasn't been good enough and the bullpen just had to pitch way too often. Well put, Bruce. I think that's, that's a, the fairest way to look at this from, from that perspective in terms of the manager's responsibility through kind of uncharted territory for him as, as a guy who's not been through this before. As a manager, we all know that David Ross was part of the 2014 Red Sox when they had a similar sort of sell-off. But um, let's wait and see how he's able to handle this as a manager. You know what? We have another segment left, Bruce, and I want to revisit something we talked about that crossed my mind as Bob Nightingale said it, and we should probably get back to it because it left a question mark probably in some listeners' heads as well. And we will do that when we come back here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score. Well, it would still be Escobar number one. And they, they had pretty much uh, all but agreed on a trade about you know three weeks ago. And then Escobar heard his, uh, his quadricep. He's still not running 100%. And uh, then the, the reliever, the uh, Dimex are getting back. He had a little problem, had to get a cortisone shot. Uh, so that trade can happen, you know, at, at any time. Uh, that's going to be the cheapest trade as well, in a sense, you know, uh, and they're only giving up a, uh, a reliever for them, so it wasn't a high price tag. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. I'm David Hall with Bruce Levine. Well done, Sean Anderson. Who could it be now? And you heard the voice of Bob Nightingale when we talked to him earlier, Bruce, in the program about the proposed trade a couple weeks ago, Eduardo Escobar, for a White Sox player that we didn't know the identity of, and we still don't, but we can speculate because now we know it was a relief pitcher who required a cortisone shot, and that was part of the potential issue that came up as a roadblock in the deal. Who could it be now, Bruce? Who could it be? I'll tell you who it wasn't. Okay. Okay. It wasn't Michael Kopech and it wasn't Garrett Crochet. It definitely was not, you know, we're not, we're not going there. Look, it's not fair for us to speculate. We don't know. We don't have, the, uh, we don't have that name. So to put a guy's name out there and, and hear that and hear people speculate about it, that just wouldn't be right. We don't have the information exactly. We do know that, uh, you know, Bob Nightingale said it was a, a, a pitcher in the Sox organization coming back. And uh, Escobar is a very good player, but he also admitted that Escobar isn't physically right yet and that right. he's still dragging a, a leg, and it's uh, from a hamstring. I think the, the White Sox have had enough guys with hamstring problems. Uh, I don't think the adding another one for the pennant drive on, a, on an older player, who's very good, by the way. Escobar is an excellent player and an excellent clubhouse guy. Um, that might not be the way to go, but... Uh, he, he certainly would fit in if he is healthy. You know, we've heard a lot about Adam Frazier from uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates as well, sure. you know, and that how, how he would be a fit. I think it would, it would probably cost the, uh, the, the White Sox more for Frazier, who has contract control after this year. Okay, so Escobar is a little different story. 
It is a different story. I think you did it did perk my ears up though, Bruce, because and then you know you try to as as we're kind of in real time trying to reach out to some people and did hear from somebody who uh, did confirm that it was somebody on the major league roster. So that would be a major league quality reliever going in to Arizona in the direction of the Diamondbacks for Eduardo Escobar, which I think is understandable, right, depending on the the, the quality of the reliever. I don't know if that's um, still realistic or more realistic than some of the other issues. So it's just worth following up on and and seeing whether it's um, going to happen. He also uh, referenced, you know, Trevor Story, the Rockies shortstop, who we kind of tussled about earlier. I know you love the idea of it. Well, okay, I want to revisit it a little, though, because I, I do like the idea of that bat in the lineup because I think, as we saw last night, when you score one run against the Astros, Lance McCullers was dealing 10 strikeouts in seven innings. It reinforces this notion that against great pitching, you need every bat you can muster, every bat you can find. Trevor Story's a big bat. I would, I would be willing to see how he would adjust and adapt to second base in the midst of a pennant race. You didn't like that idea. You poo-pooed it earlier, Bruce. I want to know why. Because Eli Jimenez is coming back, and that will be the firepower they need. Robert, hopefully, will be back in September. We don't know that. But uh, I, I was open to, to story in a clunky situation about making him play second base uh, before I heard that Eloy uh, was coming back. I think they're going to have enough firepower with Eloy coming back. I also think that uh, the DH spot is going to be the, the play. You know, after talking to LaRusa yesterday, you know, he said, yeah, he is, you know, he is playing a little bit of left field, but uh, we're just going to be happy to have the bat in the lineup, which told you everything you needed to yes. hear <laughs> that he was going to be the DH. So if, if that wasn't open to story either, you're, you're not, you're not moving Tim Anderson, uh, the face of the Chicago White Sox and uh, the the new young leader on this team off a shortstop, even though Trevor Story is arguably a better shortstop. No, no, he's not a better shortstop for the Chicago White Sox. Tim Anderson is your all-star shortstop. That's correct. So this has nothing to do with Tim Anderson. Actually, this is a compliment to Tim Anderson if you trade for Trevor Story. This says to Tim Anderson, you know what? We think that you are stable enough mentally and have enough confidence that you're not going to be shaken by the fact that we traded for somebody that's going to help us become a better team against teams that are 500 or better. Because right now, we're not. And you can handle this, Tim Anderson. Trevor Story, learn how to turn a double play at second base. Learn how to play. Okay. <laughs> and if that doesn't work out, I well, mean, you, you want this guy. First of all, the guy is going to balk at it. He, he won't professionally balk at it. But when he comes there and he has to play with his back to the first baseman and the runner coming down to make that double play, and, and, and his legs and his body is in jeopardy as he goes toward free agency in November, I think uh, that, is, that is questionable. It's questionable is whether he would make that transition smoothly. Uh, and uh, I, I think it's just it's asking a lot for maybe an overkill-type player. You'll love to have him in the lineup uh, with his bat. But uh, if he doesn't fit on a team and he has other concerns, you wonder if this is the right move to make. I would just submit that there were some similar conversations and concerns when Andrew Vaughn 
picked up an outfielder glove and was told, hey, learn how to play left field. First baseman, designated hitter, and to a lesser degree, Gavin Sheets, out of necessity, comes up from Charlotte. Hey, let's put him in the right field. He's in a natural first baseman. So the White Sox at one point had three infielders playing the outfield. This is the season of transition. This is the season of resourcefulness. They've got to MacGyver up the entire lineup. So why not get a guy who's an all-star hitter, play him at second base, and take your chances? Maybe not. I understand you know, your points are valid, but you're winning me over, David. You're winning me over because Trevor's story is a difference maker, okay? He certainly is, and you can't have too many of those going toward the playoffs. The cost of Trevor's story would be a lot different than Escobar, okay? It just would be. I mean, Colorado uh, is probably going to trade him, but I don't think they're going to give him away. I mean, uh, you know, the, they might at this point they might be saying, well, you know, we like that kid Crochet. He's really oh, wow. a good yeah. young pitcher. You know, we, we really like him a lot. I mean, what if they say, okay, you can have him. We want uh, Jake Berger and uh, we want um, we want uh, Gavin Sheets. Are you good with that trade? That's pretty pricey. I, I don't know that I would be. I think I need to wait to see. I, you're right. I mean, it's Trevor. Be cautious. F story, right? <laughs> right. So right. Well, I mean, he he could be, as you said. You know, one of the big difference makers in them being a playoff team or a team that goes to the World Series. So you, you're going to have to give up something really good for him. Bruce, given your experience in Intel, and, and I think this is fun to discuss, so we've talked about two of the three second basemen that have been the targets of speculation. How would the price for Adam Frazier compare to the price for the other two? Yeah, it would be, it would be higher as well. They would be asking for a package like that too because Frazier has contract control. And he's a, uh, a candidate to, to lead the league in hitting. And, you know, what wouldn't you like about the fact of Tim Anderson, a contact hitter, and Frazier at the top of the order, when, when summer turns to fall and colder weather and it's harder to hit a ball out of a ballpark, you have to manufacture runs. What wouldn't you like about Frazier and, and, uh, and Tim Anderson leading off? Uh, there, there's a That's... lot to like about that plays the position awfully well, and, and he can segue into helping you compete and win again in 2022. I could be talked into liking that idea a lot, uh, Bruce. And, and I think just to close the loop on the trade conversation today, you have a story on, Chicago, on 670thescore.com about the Cubs' trade possibilities for finding a partner for Craig Kimbrell. And you list the Astros, Mets, Red Sox, uh, and the Giants as being, and the A's as well as the fifth team. Who's next? Who goes next for the Cubs? I think it's probably uh, Chafin or um, Tapira. I think one of those two go, and I think you get something decent back because they've been lights out. They've been as, as good as any relief core middle guys uh, for the Cubs all year long. Bruce, this was a lot of fun. Great stuff today. Great insight. We'd like to thank our guests, Bob Nightingale and Sean Marshall. Stay tuned here. We have Saturday Suckage with Mark Grody and Steve Rosenblum. They've got Vinny Duber at noon and Hub Arkish at 1 o'clock. Thank you for listening. And, Bruce, it's been a great week here. And, and keep up the good work. We'll talk to you on Monday at Mullion Hawk. David, it's been great. People can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine and uh, on our website at 670thescore.com. Thanks for listening inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.